well, we'll just finish up where we were at before we continue on. So for our reading, we'll just read verses 1 through 8 again and kind of look and maybe see what else God would have for us there. Second John, verses 1 through 8. Verse 1, The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you, mercy and peace. From God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. Verse 4, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I write a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. And we talked a couple weeks ago, last time we were down here, and we uh, kind of recapped what we had uh, visited about in Second John, the elect lady, unmarried, uh, parent that she has these children, she has some children here. John, being a pastor, an ex-pastor from the church, not there with her, obviously. He's in another location writing to her, and he observes a couple of her children. Which really got me, you know, me really kind of kind of made an impact on me when I was reading through that. He observes a couple of her children from afar doing what they were taught to do. He says in verse 4, I rejoiced greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth. And we really spent some time talking about that and saying, you know, mom did, raised them right. The church had an impact in their lives, taught them the foundations of the faith. And when they were away from home, they did as they were taught. Man, that's every parent's prayer right there. Because they'll do it when you're staring at them, won't they? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they'll do it for the most part when you're there, when, when you're watching. But they don't, when they go away and they have that independence they think they seek, right? Will they continue to do what you taught them? And John, looking from afar, notices that. And he takes a moment to actually write to her, and in this letter takes a moment to say, you need to know about this. You're doing a good thing. Your kids are a blessing. And continuing in God's work and between you raising them and the role that the church had in it as well, they're doing good. And I can't 
Well, I can't imagine as a parent and a grandparent how that would have felt to her. I mean, somebody, John is giving her that of an attaboy. Can you, uh, it would be a similar uh, pastor. You have a, a kid in college, we got a kid in, uh, now was in college in Oklahoma City and now she's a PA. It'd be like pastor going to the city and he was at the mall and he observes Courtney doing something. But he, he sees her doing serving God, handing out um, pamphlets or serving God maybe down at Southwest when nobody was watching. She don't know pastors there. And it'd be like pastor coming up, hey, you need, guess, you need to know about this. Guess what? You guys did okay. She's serving God when nobody's looking. That would feel awesome, wouldn't it? And I just really stuck on that. And it just so happened that we came to that verse on Mother's Day two weeks ago. And I, it just, again, you think that was an accident? No. God had us just work on that at that moment. But I had a few more notes on that kind of topic that I wanted to take a moment and go over. So we'll continue in this thought a little bit. Uh, Second Timothy Chapter 1. Can you flip over there for a second? Second Timothy. Chapter 1. I can find it in this Bible. I think they left it out of this Bible. Maybe not. It's a short book, so it's hard to find. I mean, I'll be able to find it. It's right after First Timothy. Right after Second Timothy would be right after. Ken says it's right after First Timothy. It's in that New Testament part too, I think. Oh yeah, it is, isn't it? Thanks, Ken. Second Timothy chapter one, verse one. I'll read a couple verses there. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. Of course, this is Paul writing to Timothy. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in thy prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of my tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois. Now, pastors preached on this. It's a common verse, but I mean, that is a powerful sentence right there. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in he, he's kind of giving Timothy, saying your faith is strong, it's unwavering. But it wasn't you that, you know, it's because of your, I saw that same faith in your grandmother, and she passed it on to you. That's what he says. He goes, which dwelt first in thy grandmother, Lois, and thy mother, Eunice. He said, mom taught, grandma taught mom, and the mom taught Timothy. 
and that's how it works, isn't it? That's how it works most times. We're taught by our grandparents, our grandfather. Maybe it's a grandfather to a father to a son, or a, a grandmother to the grandson, or whatever. But you're taught how you're going to respond in the future in most cases. There's, there are situations that don't always <coughs> proceed like that. But I recall that type of that type of uh, passing on, I, I can still, I think I mentioned last time, I can still remember sitting on my grandmother's lap and her reading um, either a story out of the Bible or Bible stories from a book and kind of teaching them to us. Or even when we were we went out to see her in, on vacation, we'd, we'd drive 1,200 miles to go see her, and I want to see Grandma and spend time with Grandma, but no, uh, you're going to Bible school because our church is having a Bible school. Well, I, don't, I mean, I mean that's fine, great, but I was, came here to see you. I don't know these people. Well, tough. You're going to Bible school, you know? Okay. And we had a great time. But it was that important. That was a priority for her. She wanted to be sure that we were exposed to Christian values, to biblical and, and around Christian people. So Grandma did that, and I mentioned Mom, and I mean, did it was different. I don't remember mom ever sitting down reading this from scripture necessarily, but she put me on that Northeast Baptist bus every Sunday. Yeah, and I'm grateful for that, you know, because if we wouldn't have done that, I, I don't know. I don't know where we'd have. Because you got to have a continuance, right? One block in that chain, and there you don't know. You don't know how things are going to turn out. You have that continuance, and things start to kind of come together, and it's it, you, you know, you grow up. You oh, okay, you know, this is important. It was important to them, and it should be important to me. So you get in the Bible, you get in God's word, you you develop a relationship with Him. Paul continues, and I am persuaded that in thee also, he's saying this. This unfeigned faith that is in thee was in your grandmother, it was in your mother, and it's in you also. Um, wherefore, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou shalt uh, that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a strong mind. You know, and what a wonderful thought on Memorial Day even where we take kind of time to remember those that have gone before us uh, my wife took our grandkids Friday out to the cemetery and sp I mean spent some time with them out there and was saying this is your great grandma and grandpa on, on your grandpa's side and this was their names here's some pictures of them that we have and we're taking a moment to show respect for them by putting these flowers here. And then we went to my mom's and did the same thing, you know. But we took time. It wasn't just a come, drop them off, and leave. And I think that's important, that we pass that down to our kids and our grandkids, that, that the stuff we have and even the faith we have today in many cases, the foundation was laid with them. 
and they're not with us anymore for us to say thank you. But they gave to us the best thing that they ever could have. You know, that, that the, the, the exposure to Christian, the example of Christian living. I mean, I can, I, my grandmother, I mean, she had her Bible next to her chair and it was stuffed full of stuff all the time. I mean, hardback Bible back then. She had a hardback Bible, and that thing was that thick, and you couldn't have put another piece of paper in it. I remember her funeral. Pastor Larry Nye, who passed just recently himself, did the funeral, and he took Grandma's Bible, and all he did was literally just open it like this to a page and pulled out a note, and it was a prayer request for somebody. And then he'd just pick another page and pull it out and it was a prayer request for somebody else. Or a note to pray for so-and-so's salvation. And that was one of the coolest funerals. I, I mean, I, I just remember sitting there going, wow. And that tells you a lot. And she was passing down that faith. And, you know, from... Third John to even Timothy, um, God through inspiration is telling us to remember and, and have appreciation for those that come before us and do that. And I think a little bit of a, a cautionary word or, or lesson for us that are here now. Um, I got three grandkids. Well, yeah, I got three grandkids, but one's not, one's uh, still... Um, percolating for a little bit longer but uh, he'll be here in July and we got the two granddaughters of course and it's our duty to do the same for them for their kids for our kids and for our grandkids I have this note a mother's faith is generational it leaves a godly legacy and I think that's just as equal to a father's faith it's generational. If you, one of the things that I've been able to kind of pick up as uh, folks have passed is I have like my grandfather's Bible, uh, my dad's Bible. Even though I'm not, I, I don't believe he was saved. I, I just, I, I don't, unfortunately. But I have his Bible. Which is a lesson even of itself, isn't it? Because I can't tell you a time where I ever saw him pick it up. But yet, that same Bible, I remember that Bible as a kid. But it's like new and it's 50 years old. That's a shame. It's, It's just, it's a heartbreaking shame. But I have these Bibles from people that have, that have passed before and it's just, reading the notes and it's just ah, it just warms your heart sometimes we pass down different trinkets to other folks I have like my grandfather's guitar it's not a fancy guitar but to me it's priceless you know so you, you pass these things down but it's when you can pass down faith and that you know, and your grandkids get saved. Pastor talked about 
his granddaughter getting saved earlier this year, and you could just see him light up every time, right? I guarantee he would say he would give everything up just for that one thing right there. I mean, that's just so special. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, what? He, he will not depart from it. But you got to train them. you got to show them. Can they accidentally come upon it? Yeah, they could. But why risk that? You're right here. Family spends time together, right? Why not take the opportunity to read from Scripture to them? There's some exciting stories in here about talking donkeys. and I mean, it, you can get a kid's imagine. It's just exciting. It's not boring. There's nothing boring about Scripture. If you're reading it to them and explaining it to them. So, you know, spend time with them. Train them up. If you train them up and you do it the right way, then when they grow up, they'll... They'll stick to that. I read a report, or I got some uh, here a, a note about a report that Pew Research Center did. I'm not sure what year. But it says mothers have more influence on their children's religious upbringing than fathers, especially in interfaith households. Not sure what all that's. One-third of respondents in a survey of roughly 5,000 Americans, one-third, said their mom was more responsible for their religious experiences than their dad. That didn't surprise me, really, unfortunately. In families with parents of mixed religious backgrounds, the percentage was well more than half. So in a mixed religious situation, they're going to migrate to mom's faith. This was especially true in households in which one parent was religious and the other wasn't. They're going to migrate to mom's influence in that situation. In those cases, nearly two-thirds of respondents said their mom had the most influence on their religious lives. Which is really a uh, indictment on a us fathers. <laughs> so let's lift up the moms in that situation and say, man, that's, I mean, great deal, great job moms. You're doing what you need to do. Dads, we're falling behind. We're not having the influence on our child's life that, that we need to be, right? The lady in 2 John evidently provided that steadfast steadfast faith example and taught her kids well. Then she she did and John points it out. I read this I found this quote, what well, a mother sings to the cradle goes all the way down to the coffin. Henry Ward Betcher. It's true. It's true. And if you continue in 1 John, John continues in verse 5 and says, And now I beseech thee, lady, not as I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that 
as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. I mean, very um, John language here. As we went through John, as we went through 1 John, we've seen this, this, the alliteration of, of this commandment brought up very similarly many times by John. One writer said this, John specifies that the commandment which he is talking about is that we should love one another. I had somebody come up to me a couple weeks ago after I, I taught a lesson in 1 John in the sanctuary. And he, he was getting ahead of, uh, of us a little bit, but he said, what do you think he meant by this is the commandment which we have been taught from the beginning? You know, we, we talk in Old Testament law, no, I mean, if you study John and First John, you know the answer to it. You know the answer. We're talking about Jesus when he says, "What the, the big, the one, of the biggest commandment is that you love me. The second is that you should love one another as you would love yourself." Right. This was given from the beginning in order to prevent a situation in which we might be honoring God in purely spiritual things, but at the same time rebelling against Him and denying Him in more practical manners. You can, you can just, you can put love, loving one another as a foundation for all the other laws that came before. Because you're not going to covet somebody else's stuff if you love them, right? You're not going to murder them if you love them. You're not going to violate. You're not going to worship a false idol if you love God. You're not going to commit the Ten Commandments if you love God and if you love others. So love comes down to the basic. And Jesus kind of sums it up for us in his teachings. He's saying love, and it's not new. It's not new. This we've taught you this since you you were doing the faith. It starts with love. So why is he bringing this up? Why is he set, why is he bringing up this topic of love at this point? Well, remember he's writing this book, the short letter to this lady and he, talks, he begins by talking about truth and why truth is important and truth should be defended and supported. And then he, he adds this little note about her children saying your children are doing good. And then he, he right here he's talking about love. And then in verse 7 he says, For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. They're deceivers and antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. <clears throat> He's going to give her a cautionary uh, point here by saying, be careful not to let deceivers come into your midst, into your church, into your home. Why is he bringing this up? It seems kind of out of left field a little bit. Well, couple of scenarios are possible. Uh, maybe somebody has came to her and said, uh, we would like to visit you and talk to you about your beliefs. Maybe they, I mean, I'm sure they had door knockers back then too, right? Right? 
Maybe somebody even went so far as to say, you know, we want to teach uh, our beliefs. They're a little bit different than yours, and we'd like to spend some time there, but we need to spend time with you. Do you mind? I mean, we're mission, we're, we're, we travel, and we don't have any place to say, can we board with you? Remember, uh, her kids are gone. She has her house. Maybe uh, they were trying to uh, get her, her to let them stay at her house. Maybe they tried to get her to let them use her house for a church or study group or church social function. Either way, somehow these folks were trying to get an inroad into her social life. And by getting that inroad into her social circle, they could start teaching their variety of the gospel as opposed to what needed to be taught, the truth. And it's possible that, and I think it's entirely possible that she said, no, you know what, I'm not going to let you do that. No. But as a result, she was facing some criticism. Because maybe from those within the church said, well, now, come on, these people, they're, 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 they're missionaries and they want to teach us and you're refusing to support this teaching? And you can imagine she probably was feeling kind of attacked, maybe, from different sides. And here John comes to say, remember, the first commandment is love. So if you feel attacked, don't attack back. Just keep loving. Just keep loving. If people are murmuring against you, number one, maybe they don't have the whole truth. Just keep loving them. If you're being talked about, just keep loving them. If they've hurt you, mistreated you, abused you in any way, just keep loving them. Remember, we talked about we're to love our brethren. John's very big on this. Remember in 1 John, we spent a lot of time on that. We're, that's the one of the first uh, proofs of true Christianity is if you love your brethren. And John's saying, if these people are attacking you because you're not opening your house up to false teachings, just keep loving them. Just keep loving them. Point is this, love is the very first commandment that man ever received from God, and it is the very first commandment that we received from Christ. It is even the first commandment that we receive when we become a believer and love is the first commandment of the church itself. We're all just to love one another. And I, you know, and I've seen situations, and even in our short time here, where so and so said this about so and so, and it starts, it starts by a small fracture, and then over time, it, it just grows. And they forget. We forget because that. <laughs> Emotions have a way of just taking over. Just taking over. And then we hear lessons or, or messages preached to us that fit that exact same, but somehow our situation's a little bit different and we justify to ourselves it's okay. And we, it doesn't hit home. Uh, no, it all starts with love. 
that all starts with love. And, and John's kind of, you know, he's, he's supporting this lady. He's lifting her up a little bit, you know, by saying, you know, and, you know, maybe she let them in and in a second. John is kind of, he's giving her a little bit of criticism. Um, that's possible. You could take that wording into this or the one, uh, author suggests you know maybe she didn't and she's taking criticism from the church and john's trying to reassure her i think you can kind of read that into here too either way john's given a little bit of a cautionary tale keep the deceivers out keep them out and we'll spend uh some time on that topic and the rest of the um short book probably next week and finish up get off into third john all right can you want to release us in prayer and we'll go down for services